Welcome back to Cowpunchers, where the beer is warm, the women cold, and the bullets fly thick. I am the deputy, Stu Kaufman. And I am a tiny child who doesn't know when to shut up. I'm Amy McLeod. And for the love of God, Alice, go home. My name is Melissa Huggins. And tonight we watched, from 1957, 310 to Yuma, directed by Delmer Daves, and starring Glenn Ford, Felicia Farr, and Van Halen. Wait, nope, that's Van Heflin. <laughs> Show that man some respect. <laughs> that guy had a five head. He, he, I, I would, I would argue that was a six head. He's, he's getting basic uh, satellite he, TV he on He could that rival thing. Dawson's Creek for the forehead. <laughs> And eyes only a mother frog could love. He had, like, no eyebrows at certain points. And I couldn't, I was like, are you just that blonde, sir? Or, like me, did you turn 30 and your eyebrows disappeared? <laughs> I do have a fun fact about how this was filmed. Ooh. Tell us. So, it was, it's from, as Stu said, it's from 1957. Um, and at the time, it was quite common to film westerns in color. Uh, They made the choice to do it in black and white, and on top of it being in black and white, they shot it with a red filter over the the Uh. lens to kind of amp up, making it seem like it's hot and dry and in a drought. So that may have caused Mr. Helflin's eyebrows to disappear. (laughs) So just me then. Can I uh, turn 30? Got it. Okay. (laughs) See, I turned 30 and my eyebrows went in all directions. No. Yeah, I, I looked at one photo of myself and I went, where did my eyebrows go? And then, since then, draw them on every day. It's feast or famine. Right? I hope they write you postcards every now and every again. Every so often, they're like, you know, I get a little postcard. They're like in, like, you know, like Bora Bora or somewhere like fabulous. Just enjoying the weather, you know. Sometimes they try different shapes out because they're finding themselves. It's a whole thing, you know. They joined up with some eyebrows on some old man, you mm-hmm. know, hanging out. Yeah, sugar baby eyebrows. Yep. Yeah, mm-hmm. yeah. Oh my god. Can I just say, uh, speaking of the visuals, uh, regardless of eyebrows, this is one of those movies where I see the first few frames, I'm like, I'm gonna love this. It's a beautiful, <laughs> beautiful movie. It was a fun it was, movie. I mean, they were cheating a little, because it, it was Monument Valley, right? I don't think so. They, I didn't see where they shot it, but it looked like Arizona. To, well, I don't know. Monument I don't Valley's know, but Utah. they... Either way, they were cheating yeah. with those mesas because I don't think you could have gotten a bad shot. With some of those long oh, yeah. shots they did, with the background, the scenery, like, wow. Yeah, yeah. I don't think we've had a good, like, full all the way through the movie, scenery movie, in a long time. Like, we had a couple good shots in, like, Two Mules for Sister Sarah, but, mm-hmm. like, this was, like, all the way through, I had a hard time picking a postcard because it was so pretty. Yeah, yeah. I think Stu's consulting the internet to see where this was filmed. I'm doing a bad job. Well, while Stu's doing that, I will read you the taglines. Ooh, please. Please. So we have several taglines that went along with this film. We have, drink the whiskey, love the woman, try to stay alive till the 310 pulls out of town. Oh. Our our next one. Now it was 3.05. In a few minutes, a man scared but brave would run an outlaw gauntlet to put his prisoner on the gallows-bound train to Yuma. I feel like that's more accurate. Who said it was Who said it was Arizona? Was that UA? Yes. It was filmed on location in old Tucson. There you go. Nice. Nice. Because some of it, 
I, my, my in-laws, they live in Arizona and, uh, it looked very similar. You know, I've been to like, um, Tombstone and Bisbee and I was like, this, that looks pretty legit to me for that area. Yeah. So I was like, Ooh, that's gotta be Arizona. And those, those may, but like all the, I guess they're mesas, you know, <laughs> this East coast yeah. Philly right. girl over here. Um, big rocks, giant rocks. big rocks. It was just gorgeous. Like everything was gorgeous. Mm-hmm. Um, and the high contrast and all that. It was just. Thank you. That's what I was yeah. about to say. The high contrast. Fun yeah. to look at. Yes. Yes. It was a delight to behold. Uh, but before we get too deep in the weeds here, A, can you tell us what happened in this here picture show? I sure can. So, we begin with Dan, our hero. He is a down-on-his-luck rancher in the middle of a drought. Uh, he's having a bad time. Cattle are dying. They need water. But in order for him to get water, because he doesn't have you know, any kind of well or stream on his property, he's got to pay his neighbor, who does have a stream, $200 uh, for water rights uh, to keep his cattle alive. Uh, but he ain't got the money. Uh, we, we start with him. He kind of stumbles upon a stagecoach robbery in progress and he keeps himself and his boys. He's with his two young sons. They were driving their cattle through. Um, and he kind of stays out of it because he's like, they got nothing to do with us. I don't want anything to do with that. Boys, we're going to sit up here and kind of wait for that to end because we got enough shit going on. So it's the, it's Ben Wade's gang who is doing the, the Robin. Uh, they murder the driver because the driver ends up kind of being like grabbing one of the other uh, bandits and trying to get control of the situation. But uh, Ben Wade ends up shooting the his bandit friend and the driver. Uh, and they steal the gold and they kind of tell uh, Dan and his kid, like, you guys stay the fuck over there. We're going to take your horses far away so you can't run to the sheriff we'll leave him somewhere so you can get to him and all that jazz so news of this murder and robbery reach the town of bisbee mostly because ben wade and his gang report their crime themselves (laughs) they're like hey a bunch of dudes just robbed a stagecoach and murdered a guy (laughs) and and they're all like you didn't do anything and he's like well you know we had shit to do that that whole sequence made no sense to me. I was like, on one level, I get it. They're misdirecting is, is I think, the intention. But in reality, they do a piss poor job. Like, it's... Yeah. It's like showing up to the police station with, like, a bag full of money from the bank and being like, hey, some dude who looks a lot like me just robbed the bank, just thought you should know. So they report their own crime uh, so that the sheriff and his posse kind of go off to, to check it out. And then they, the, the bandits, Ben Wade's gang, decide to, they're going to go for the border to scatter. And they're going to meet back up later, I guess, to divide the spoils or whatever they're going to do. However, the leader of the gang, Ben Wade, he hangs back because pretty lady. They had a pretty lady at the saloon, so he stays behind. This gives the uh, the law in Bisbee time to uh, go back and catch him. Dan helps out to kind of distract Ben so that they can capture him, which they do. 
And then they're like, well, we can't keep him here because this is a small town and his gang is a lot of armed, dangerous dudes and they will come and get him and all of this will be for naught. They decide to take Wade to Contention City and take that 310 train to Yuma, hence the name of the film. They could have gone to Argument City, but, you know, then they have to wait for an even later train. I know, like, they, they go, you see the sign for Contention, and uh, Andy was watching it with me, and he was like, where are they? And I was like, they're in Contention. And he's like, for what? And I was like, I'm a, I'm a, no, <laughs> I'm a punch you. <laughs> Disagreement City. Right? Um, so that's where they're going to take him, because that train goes right to the prison. They are using a decoy stagecoach to um basically they're going to make it seem like wade is in the stagecoach that's going to go to i believe it was fort wachuca uh so they're hoping the gang will follow that stagecoach and once if you know keep them at bay long enough that by the time they catch up with the stagecoach and realize wade's not on it they won't have time to get to contention city and stop them from putting him on the train to yuma Problem is, the sheriff needs volunteers. He doesn't want to leave the town, like, completely undefended. Uh, no one wants to volunteer. Then you got Mr. Butterfield, who is the owner of the stagecoach line that had been robbed. He's like, well, I'll give 200 bucks to anybody who wants to volunteer. So Dan's like, I need $200. Okay, I'm in. Because... <laughs> You know, his wife was kind of giving him a little bit of a hard time in the beginning. Like, you didn't do anything to stop the robbery? Like, what kind of an example are you making for your boys? It seems terrible that something bad can happen and all anybody can do is stand by and watch. Lots of things happen when all you can do is stand by and watch. No, but to have you stand by. To have the boys watch. (laughs) There's a dozen armed men. I know, and he's kind of trying to be like, look, woman, like... Like you didn't, you weren't there. Like, honey, did you want the children to come back alive? Did you want me to come back alive? Because they murdered a man. Like, like they shot in cult. They shot one of their own dudes. Yeah, like this wasn't. I mean, like, yeah, that is not a. These are hardened criminals. And even at the saloon afterwards, they were like, "Well, he shot one of our buddies, but you know." There's the bus. He had to say goodbye to one of the outfit. That's too bad. I guess it was for a good reason. I was like, okay. (laughs) (laughs) So as part of this plan, they are going to put Ben Wade in the stagecoach so that people like see, like, you know, people in the town see them putting him in the stagecoach and they figure he's going off to Fort Huachuca. Then they do a switcheroo at Dan's house, which Dan didn't know about ahead of time, they're like, oh, so glad you volunteered. We're going to stash him at your house for a bit, which I'd be like, with my young family? I don't know. And my <laughs> I and, don't know about that. And my one child who can't keep his mouth shut? You wait! My pa will kill you! Mark. Yeah. Oh my god. That kid was, he was writing checks that his dad cannot cash. No. I was like, <laughs> good god. My dad can beat up your dad. Yeah, and base that energy big time. Except my dad is going to murder you, Mr. Murderer Man. And it's like, please. My pa wants to. He can shoot you. Like, son. Like, Mark. Mark, shut up, Mark. Mark shut, shut up, Shut your Mark. mouth, Mark. Mark, go ahead now and, and eat your supper. Like, when your mother tells you to shut up, while saying grace that should give you a clue dear lord we thank thee for life we thank thee for food we ask thee to give us the wisdom that comes with silence 
Yeah, yeah. I'm like, you guys need to talk to Mark about his his mouth saying things. Wait, Mark, the quality of your birthday and Christmas gifts is rapidly depreciating. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Do you want to sleep outside, Mark, with the yeah. with exactly. the cows? Because we can right. make that happen. We are going to get our best cow and have him take your room, and you are going to go <laughs> stay with the cows. I'm giving the cow. Until you get this figured out. I'm giving the cow your hat. Yeah. Your dog. The cow gets all your Christmas presents. <laughs> the cow gets your hat, Mark. your dog, your horse. Yeah. So, and that comes up, because at Dan's house, there's a very awkward dinner where, yes, the boys cannot keep their mouth shut. Mark is the, the bigger culprit. And I do want to put this in perspective. So, all of this is over $200, which is basically the amount of money that is going to keep that ranch afloat. Um, until it rains and they're like that'll keep us afloat for six months and there's got to be rain by then which I'm like gee I hope so <laughs> that's a long time without rain but $200 I looked to see I didn't write down what year this movie was but I did look it up and do a um, conversion so $200 from then it's like the 1880s I believe mm -hmm. uh, is mm -hmm. about $6,000 now so that ain't nothing. That's a pretty big sum of money. I would I would take six thousand dollars. Yeah, that's a that's a life changing amount of money for people for a lot of people now. Like that could solve a lot of problems for a lot of people. Yeah, uh, if you were given six thousand dollars. So that kind of I just want to put that in perspective because sometimes, especially in older movies, you know, it's like hard to have perspective on what that means. So right, uh, that's what's at stake here. We have our awkward dinner with Dan's family and uh, Ben Wade. I should say they're also joined by um, Mr. Well, Mr. Butterfield ends up meeting them in Contention City. I don't remember him being at their house. Yeah, um, he, they they meet they meet up in Discord yeah, Town. It's yeah, Alex Alex Potter is there. Yes, Alex Potter was the only other volunteer, and they almost didn't let him volunteer because he is the town drunk. Oh, I'll wait a minute, Alex. Oh, no offense. I just think it would be safer if we had somebody else. You know, we got a crack team here. Here, take this shotgun. They do the switcheroo. We have our awkward dinner. And they make their way to Contention City where the rail station is. During this time, they make their way. They're, they're kind of just holding, waiting out. It's like the bridal suite of the hotel was the only place that they could get <laughs> to hide out, which is just kind of silly. I like how he just, and he bounces on the bed, which is kind of strange. I was like, as soon as he bounced on the bed and then mentioned about like so many brides, I was like, oh, dear God, please no, please. At least he stopped there. I know. <laughs> like he stopped there, but it was still like, I didn't know. Yeah. Yeah. And, and. Ben is kind of a smooth talker, like, charmer guy. Like, he, he is very polite. He is very slimy. You know, he's very much like, what can I say to get myself into these people's good graces? Because he's smug the whole time because he's like, my boys oh, yeah. are going to come get me. Like, this is no big deal. Like, he, he is not concerned for, like, most of this movie. So while they're waiting, it's kind of like... They're just trying to hope against hope that Ben's gang doesn't find them and that they can get to the train safely. However, there is a funeral for the driver of the stage in the town and the brother of the guy who was murdered ends up showing up and f just ruins everything because he finds out Ben Wade's there and busts in, tries to shoot him, 
which then causes a commotion and one of Ben's lackeys is then alerted that like, oh, he's here. Let me go get all the other dudes and just ruin everything. Mm -hmm. Uh, So then they're like, okay, now we have to prepare for the gang. So they're like, let's get volunteers. You know who doesn't volunteer is the frickin' brother who screwed all this up. Uh, it's like... Another time, but you know, my mother. I gotta think of her. One son just buried. Go on. Go on, get out. It's like, well, were you thinking of your mother five minutes ago when you barged in here to murder a man? I, I wrote right. down... I wrote, Bob, for fuck's sake, you screwed it up. You are an absolute, and I cannot stress this enough, schmuck. Like, yes. Mm-hmm. I, Bob is a schmuck. I was so mad. Yeah. He's here in Contention City, bust into that room to make an allegation. Yeah. Do I have the synonyms for contention up on my computer screen? You'll never know. Uh, we all know, Stu. I ob- we, we all know. I object. Yeah, go to jail. While, like, things are getting more dire, uh, Ben, he's he really starts kind of putting the screws to Dan to bargain with him. He's like, this is over $200? Shit, I'll give you seven grand. And of course, Dan is like, if $200 is a life-changing amount of money, he's like, seven grand is a ridiculous amount of money. So then he's like, well, how do I know you're going to give it to me? And he's like, because I'm going to make it 10. And just to give you guys what amount of money that is, 10 grand back then is a little over $300,000 today. So like that is... A ridiculous amount of money for poor down on his luck Dan. Um, He sees the cracks start to form in Dan, so he goes for the jugular by talking about his family and saying, you know, you got a nice little family. If I had a wife like that, I would buy her nice things. She wouldn't have to work so hard. And, like, my boys would have enough food to be big and strong. Like, he's, like, freaking just twisting that knife. I tell you one thing though, Dan, I'd treat her a whole lot better than you do. I'd feed her better. I'd, I'd get her pretty dresses. She'd be real happy wearing. I wouldn't make her work so hard, Dan. Dan doesn't crack. He holds on tight. However, as the clock ticks closer and closer to three o'clock and three o five, Wade's gang comes to town. The volunteers that Mr. Butterfield was able to get lose their nerve, abandon the operation and the gang strikes and they kill poor Alex. And then who rolls up, but Dan's wife, Alice, and is like, don't do this. I, I was go home, Alice, go home. Yeah, I'm like, Alice, why are you here? But yeah, she, go back to the boys. She's like begging him to come home even. And at that point, it's like, everyone is telling him stop. Mr. Butterfield's like, if, if it's $200, that's the problem. I'll freaking give you $200. Nobody's doing this. This is this is a bad idea. We're all going to die. But Dan holds his ground. He's like, nope. Alex died. So this man could go to freaking jail. So I'm going to put him on that goddamn train. <laughs> so there's some uh, there's a final confrontation of trying to get through town without getting shot by the gang members. And finally, we have like all the gang members on one side. Dan and Ben. Dan has like a shotgun to Ben's back right next to the train and it's just kind of like how are we gonna do this um and at the very last minute ben is like let's jump on this train together buddy so they both jump on the train and get away 
And then Dan, of course, asked the question we're all asking is, why the hell did you do that, Ben? What were you <laughs> thinking, Ben? And he's like, well, I've broken out of Yuma before, and you seem like a cool guy, so, you know, no hard feelings. This is based on a short story, and if I'm not mistaken, Ben also says something to the effect of, well, he says all that, and he's like, also, I'm pretty sure you're going to shoot me. <laughs> I was pretty sure. <laughs> Which is true. I was like, I, you know, because if it were me, and I'm like... If I let him go, they're going to shoot me anyway. I might as well take this asshole with me. Yeah. Now, this this movie is based on the fiction of one of my favorite writers, Elmore Leonard. One of the things he's known for is short, punchy dialogue. At no point in this movie did I think to myself, no one talks that way. You know, I, I, I love that. Because, you know, you sometimes you watch a 50s Western and it's 50s dialogue. Yeah. And then you get stilted. And then you get movies like this, which is like, in, in my book, this is in the same realm as like High Noon, just the building of tension. Yes, I, I, will say, I, was, I will say I think High Noon did tension better than this. Oh, yes, hands down. But, I would agree. But these two movies are living in that same realm of anxiety, stress, are people going to help me? One guy sort of going against everybody else, and it sort of comes down to, it's not about the money, it's not about what anybody else thinks of me, this is now just something I have to do, and I can't back down, I've gone too far. Yeah, mm -hmm. yeah, it's like, I'm in this too deep now, and I, I just can't, as a person, but, turn back, but yeah. I kind of wish they'd had, I liked in High Noon how they had the clocks mm -hmm. everywhere. I kind of wish yeah. there'd been a big clock in the hotel room so that yeah. we could track that. Or they could have made like more of his pocket watch that he had. Mm -hmm. um, but to your point, Stu, about the dialogue, I wrote down so many one-liners. Oh, yeah. Like, I loved, uh, <laughs> like, the girl in the saloon. Um, I think her name is Emmy. Emmy played by Felicia Farr, um, who I love that she got top billing and Alice did not. Like, uh, Alice, Yeah, it's a little strange, but Alice okay. Alice played by, what is it, Leora Dana. Um, but anyway, like, like, they have this whole thing about, like, they come in and they report their own crime, pretending it's not them. And she's like, oh, and she's, like, so blase, like, oh, yeah, robbery, okay, whatever. Um, and, and, like, oh, yeah, everybody's, like, where's the marshal? And she's like, oh, he's taking a nap and... <laughs> then they break the news that the stagecoach driver was killed, and she goes, Oh, if there's a killing, I'm just awake him. It's only robbery. You don't want to be waiting for Marshal! I was about to say, I think that also illustrates why the marshal reacted the way he did, like why he accepted their story. Be like, he's focusing solely, like, somebody died. Yeah. Like, it, it's like, that is a, like, okay, robbery, whatever, it happens. <sighs> but, like, killing, that's a problem. I also like the line when Dan comes in and it's just Ben Wade in the saloon. And it's like when they catch him and he's like. Something I can do to help you? You drove off my cattle. You got them back, didn't you? Yeah, it took me half a day's time. Well, what's half a day's time worth to you? Well, when I hire out a full day, I get two dollars. For a day's work, yeah. and they do, and, and Ben Wade keeps giving him two dollars, and then at one point, um, Dan goes, well, I'll tell you, if it's all right with you, you can give me two dollars extra for making me nervous. And then he had another good line towards, sorry, I have, I wrote them all down because I just enjoyed no, them so much. Um, the other one, I thought Dan had a lot of good ones. 
mm-hmm. Dan uh, goes to, it's towards the end when like Ben Wade just like won't shut up. And he says to him, All right, so you're quiet like me. Well, then shut up like me. I loved that. It's yes. <laughs> like, burn. Yes. Oh my gosh. They're, like the, the writing I thought was very good. Uh, I really enjoyed uh, a lot of the dialogue. My my favorite was near the end, just when um, Wade is talking about Dan's family. When he says that that line he says about his wife, when he says, "I bet she was a real beautiful girl before she met you." Oh my god! Oh, that's like, what a what a low blow! Oh yes, Oof. I was like, "Oh my." God. And to that end, the one so the two sons, Mark, just need to shut the heck up. Um, yeah. And I did, I did love. I didn't write it down, but I did love her like grace before dinner, and it ends yes. with like basically it's to paraphrase like shut up, kid. <laughs> yeah. Right now, it's like the wisdom of silence or something like that. But I, yeah. right. But I love, I love the discussion like as they're riding off. I think it was. And the two boys are talking about like, you know, like, like Mark, the little one goes, you know, $200 is a lot of money. And then Matthew, the older one, drops the truth bomb of like, Will you think anything will happen to Pa? Sure. He'll come back with $200. $200 is a lot. What if he doesn't come back? It isn't. Two hundred dollars is a lot of money, but not if we don't have dad. Like, yeah, God. <laughs> yeah. Like, like, get some perspective, kid. Yeah, Mark. All right, boys, that's enough. Shut, shut up, Mark. One of my notes was in all caps: "Jesus Christ, Mark, shut the hell up." <laughs> yeah, because like even in the beginning when they're watching the robbery, he's like, "Go down there, Dad, and kill all those dudes." And... You gonna let him do this to you? <laughs> Dan's like, Mark, Mark, when have I ever murdered anyone, first of all? Like, Mark, there's 20 dudes, and I'm here with, like, half pint and half pint's older brother. Like, there's... Yeah. No! All we have are cows, and, like, maybe he has a gun, but he might not. Like, I don't know. Aren't you gonna do something? And Right, there's a dozen of them. I have, like, six rounds. And, and also, <laughs> yeah. like, the... Like... That that scene when they rob the stagecoach, I I think does a lot to build the danger of of this group of bandits because and particularly Ben Wade because he just straight up shoots his own dude to shoot yeah. the driver yeah and and none of them are upset like I feel like no I feel like we've seen in other movies the trope of uh, I what, what was the what was um Clint Eastwood. And Lee Van Cleef. Oh, um, for a few dollars more. A few dollars more. Where he is killing members of his own gang. And that's one of the ways they sort of kind of turn on him a little bit. This, this gang does not care. Like, they're like. Psychotic. Yeah, they're like. Yeah, yeah. drink. Okay, whoops. It's the way the cookie crumbles. And that's, yeah. Uh, That's what I like about. Elmore Leonard is he does that like he doesn't pull punches like he creates these bad guys that are smug and they, they know the score they've done this a thousand times like he makes really bad dudes like these are just they will do anything for a dime and yeah. there is no silver lining to them yeah and I like that like especially like Ben Wade because he is kind of a like he's a nice looking guy like he's clean He's, he's good looking. 
he's very he he knows how to charm the ladies like he you know very complimenting very nice to dan's family and i feel like that in contrast to how you see him act at the robbery you're like that makes him all like to me more stressful to be around because i'm like you don't know what the heck he's gonna do because he could do anything he clearly doesn't care about anything although it's like you weirdly get the sense that he kind of does like his his whole interaction with emmy felt strangely genuine in a way like he had so when they come into town right and they tell on themselves and then he stays behind while the rest of the gang what do they go to like mexico or whatever yeah um, yeah. or I also love that bit like where's where's the border for Mexico eh, we don't know no one ever defined somewhere. it somewhere <laughs> just go that way <laughs> <laughs> you'll end up in Mexico if, it, if you start seeing cantinas with tequila you know you got there um, yeah. yeah but so like she's tending bar and they have this whole interaction where they fu- he sort of figures out where he's seen her before and he's very specific in his details like, he names the other women that were at the saloon she was at. I, where was it? It was, like, in... Um, Dodge City or something? Do- it was, like, something, like, in Dodge City. Um, she probably got thrown out because, you know, jail too small. Um, yeah. <laughs> but uh, he's very specific, and he talks about all the things, and it really feels like they have a connection, and... Because uh, they, I think it's very kind of clear that they sleep together, and that's one of the reasons he gets caught. Um, mm-hmm. But it's it's genuine. Versus when he pulls a similar sort of thing with Alice at dinner, because the boys reveal that she's from San Francisco and that her dad was a ship captain. Her father was a sea captain, and he owned his own ship. Matthew. Two ships. Your supper, go ahead. Yes, and if he was here, he'd shoot you dead. And he kind of starts making up similar to what he did with Emmy, where he tells the story of, oh, I met this girl once with these sea green eyes, like the ocean and blah, blah, blah. And it's 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 similar vein, but it's clearly without detail and not as genuine. And I thought that was a really interesting dynamic that he set up that in one instance he's pulling this like seduction scheme but there's this genuineness behind it like he's like it is, he's got details it's it feels more real and then he's but he's still able to pull the same thing on alice and it's you can tell it's slightly different and way less genuine yeah yeah i did you kind of get the feeling that it's like he does like women and not in like a a sleazy way like still a sleazy way mm-hmm. but like because he's like oh i love women singing and like he's nice to all the ladies not that we meet very many i was expecting a lot more threat to women yeah but there wasn't mm-hmm. that's true all the threat is towards men mm-hmm. so it's like he's got it's one of those it's like he's got a code of conduct but you don't know what it is like it's it's rational in his brain uh it's just hard for people who don't murder other people to (laughs) unravel there is another elmer leonard short story set in the west that i think really illustrates this it's really great i can't remember what it's called but it goes something like this is there's an outlaw um 
well, the story opens on this little farmstead, guy, pregnant wife. Um, he's just hard scramble farmer trying to make it make it make it on his own out there in the West. Um, his old bank robbing partner breaks in on him and says, "We're getting the gang back together." And he's like, "No, I'm done with that. I'm I'm farming now. I took my money. I invested it here. I, I'm done." Well, pulls a gun on him. He's like, "You're gonna sit here. You're gonna feed me a very early breakfast." And you're going to come with me because I'm getting the I'm getting the gang back together. And this goes back and forth, back and forth, and then the whole thing is broken when the pregnant wife dumps a full pot of coffee on the intruder, and it's the coolest shit. Because <laughs> you're just because it focuses so like her movements are so periphery in this story that he writes, and it's focusing so much on the former, uh, you know, the 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 reformed bank robber and the still continuing bank robber. Like, is he going to reach for the gun? Is he going to get shot first? Hey, coffee's up everybody. <laughs> and she's like, uh, I am pregnant and not today, sir. Not, <laughs> this not, you, today. not today. <laughs> you have chosen poorly. Yes. yes. My ankles are swollen yes. and I'm pissed. And you asked me to make a lot of boiling hot water. Yes. So what are you what are you gonna do about it? So really it's your fault. Yes. Exactly. You did this to you. And now you're dead. Scalded alive. But anyway, uh like I said, like that that's I I love it. I love it so much. Yeah, it's a good story. I do I mean, watching it, having watched High Noon, I did kind of feel like it, it, it's a lot of echoing the same beats as High mm-hmm. Noon, some of it a little mm-hmm. you know. So like and I think High Noon is better. Uh, yeah. I would but, agree. Yeah. Al- it's a better Although, ending, too, I would say. So I watched yeah. this, uh, as with most of the movies, I watched it with Ben, and we were actually talking about this. And he was saying that he thought High Noon was much more about a person losing faith in humanity, whereas this was much more like someone like sticking to their their morals and what they were going to do. And it was like less about like losing all, like being abandoned. Um, Yes. Yeah. Which I could see that. Yeah. Um, Which it's a good message too. And, and I think that's conveyed well, because at the end it's like literally every single person is like, you can walk away and still have the money and be fine. But he sticks to that. Mm -hmm for our buddy our buddy Alex Potter. Yeah. Which talk about a brutal death. Like last week we get a machete yeah. to the face and this week we get him like, you know, warning everybody. It was pretty terrible. Like he he gets mm-hmm. shot in the back and he's still alive and they drag him into the hotel and you don't see it happen but you hear him scream for Dan, which mm-hmm. oh my god, and then they yeah. hang him. And yeah. the shot of Alice coming in and like props to Alice because she she mm-hmm. pulls up in the buggy and I'm like, Alice, go home. Like, for yeah, what are you doing? Dear God. Um, like she comes in and she sees him and you just see the shadow at first. And then like she doesn't scream and she sort of like is horrified and makes her way up the stairs with his body hanging, you know, in the foreground of the shot. Mm-hmm. And it's just like, oh, my God god like it's 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 so much overkill and unnecessary it's like yeah it kind of snaps you back because like up till this point wade i mean he tried to escape like one time but he's been pretty pretty docile 
And I think this shows that it's like his gang is full of a bunch of wild MFers. Yeah. They, like, they are not messing around. Mm-mm. And I think you, uh, there's a valuable lesson to be learned for, like, modern filmmaking, or at least, you know, the, a great majority of them, about, like, just subtleties of story. Like, we showed, like, a terrible thing happened to Alex, but you never actually saw, like, a mutilated body or anything like that, you know? It's, it's still very apparent that a terrible crime has been committed to this poor old drunk. Yeah, like you can you can shock people without having to go extra gory. I think I think mm-hmm. the worst part of that whole sequence was them dragging him inside after he was shot yeah. and his scream for Dan. Mm-hmm. Like I think those two things were so effective and mm-hmm. just yeah. like Ugh. Yeah, and then it was cuz like at that point, I mean, um Ben has been saying like Mr. Butterfield like he's going to leave you like at five minutes to three, Butterfield is going to walk out on you, Dan, and he's going to leave you all alone. As soon as Mr. Butterfield sees Alex hanging in the in the lobby, he's like, oh, I'm tapping out. Like, nope. This <laughs> abort, is not what I signed abort up for. Abort mission. Me, abort, abort. Me and my fancy suit would like to go home now, please. Listen to me, Dan. I'm not going through with it. It's crazy. And if I'm not, then you aren't either. I was going to be with you, but not not anymore. We're done. My fine hat, my fancy suit, and my spherical shape yes. yeah. are gone. We would, like to, out. we would like to leave, please. Yeah. <laughs> and then I thought it was so touching because Alice, you know, she comes in and is, like, begging him, like, please, come home. Why are you doing, you know, like, don't do this. If it's because of something I said, like, I'm sorry. Like, if I ever complain, like, she's apologizing for anything she's ever done ever. Basically, like, what do I got to say to get you to come home and, like, don't do this for me? And he's like, I'm not doing it for you, and I'm not doing it for the money. Honest to God, if I didn't have to do it, I wouldn't. But I heard Alex scream. The town drunk gave his life because he believed that people should be able to live in decency and peace together. You think I can do less? Tears. That's, he's doing it yeah. for, the, for the brave little coot. He's like, oh. I know. I was like, he's doing it for Alex, and that was just that was very beautiful. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And what? Speaking of Alex, what great direction and acting? Because there was the tendency for him for that character to become too much of comedic yeah. relief, yeah. and he played it perfectly. I I love the moment when all when they get when they first get the posse together in the hotel, mm-hmm. and. You know, they're all drinking and he like comes in like they're coming. I think that was the point where it was. And yeah, he yeah, comes yeah. in and goes. Did you come in for a drink? First time as long as I can remember, I don't want to drink. Perfect delivery, sir. Yeah, it, his mm-hmm. character was good because you, you, he is kind of introduced like, oh, well, here's going to be the silly little mm-hmm. drunk character who's going to be the comic relief. But it was like, yeah, he's still a drunk, but he's trying his best. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And he's still somewhat ridiculous. Yeah, I mean, look, he's got he's got problems, but mm-hmm. he is trying his best. And I, I mean, mm-hmm. we don't get to see her reaction, but like, I totally feel bad for his wife because, like, she yeah. clearly like didn't want him to go, and he went. And Mrs. Poor Mrs. Potter. I know yeah. nobody wanted him to go. They're like, I think it just they wanted. They were like, pat pat on the head, like that's okay. You don't have to go. And he's like, no. go back to your coot hole. <laughs> <laughs> we'll leave you a jug you'll be fine yeah, yeah you don't like trains why do you want to go to the train 
right? You're a coot. You're afraid of trains. Loud noises are yeah. not good on the coot. And also that little oh. girl who was just like standing in the street watching the shootout. And the mom's like, Nancy, get in the goddamn house. I'm like, Nancy, what are you doing on the street? Get in the house, Nancy. So many children and women in this movie had absolutely no sense of self-preservation. Like, so... Have you met a child? <laughs> I have. And I feel like a child, after the first shot, would, like, run. You know? Like, okay, Mark and Matthew... All right, Matthew had a little bit more sense. Mark was just, like, dumb as a flippant... Wild child. Wild yeah. child. Dumb as a stump. Um, you know? But but the little girl, like, she's... St- like, girl... Hun, please go. Nancy, what are you doing? Yeah. <laughs> I think Nancy and Mark would be friends. And then, and, <laughs> yeah. and then just Alice being like pulling into town. I think she pulls into Bisbee the day after they've all gone to contention. And she and they're like, have you heard anything? She's like, nope, I'm going after them. Alice, don't you realize you're a bargaining chip? You're like, besides yeah. your children, you are the most important thing to your husband. You are one of the reasons he is doing this. On yes. what planet is this a good idea? Right. Did you think that you know maybe you'd get to him before the guys showed up? Did did you consider that was a good idea? Also, maybe bring a gun. Just I know. Maybe you're you're a prairie yeah. wife. I'm fairly certain you know how to use a gun. Come on, girl. Like, get get that six-shooter and get out there. I'm sure there's another shotgun around. I mean, Grace Kelly freaking murked some dude in high noon. Yeah, she, that was pretty great. she was in a wedding dress. <laughs> yeah, like, pr- shit. Pr- pr- Princess Grace mur- murked a dude. Yeah, yeah Princess Grace <laughs> shot a man in cold blood. Shot him dead. They do. Pa-pow. Like, yeah. Uh, yeah, I want to be like, Alice, Alice, what are you doing? Go home. And you know, it was interesting to me because when she's she goes to him, you see a, a, a short clip of uh, Wade kind of like looking at them from the hotel, you know, the room out into the hallway. And part of me is like, is part of the reason that he's like, well, I don't want to hurt alice's feelings like i can't have her husband die i mean that's why i think that's part of it and why his interaction with emmy at the beginning is so important because his interaction with her is to me i read it as 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 genuine as he can be yeah i would agree and i think he likes alice but also knows that he she can be a bargaining chip Mm -hmm. and and i think it's in him to be like well like I like I think it's important that none of his gang take her hostage when she's just out there on the street and can get mm-hmm. in and they don't take her hostage like there must be some, there's I think building blocks there for like one of the rules is we do not harm women we do not harm children I think that's I think he he'll threaten that but I think that's all talk Yeah 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 uh, yeah, that's why in the beginning, because like in the beginning, I'm like, wow, they're kind of setting him up to be like not a terrible person, <laughs> except for and, the murder oh. we just saw. I'm like, he's being awful nice to this lady. And it sounds like he was awful nice to some other ladies in the past. Mm-hmm. But so, but yeah. it, it's sort of like to me thinking like they also don't seem to feel like they're going to go after his wife and children because they just leave her alone. 
with the kids yeah. on the ranch. Like, we didn't leave a dude there with a gun. Like, nothing. Like, not like a maybe close up the house for a couple weeks while we ride this guy into town, you know, and like go and stay with your sister in, you know, San Francisco. In, in uh, in Enmity City. Yeah. <laughs> Yeah, yeah, that's a good, yeah, because they never do come up, like, the only time they come up is when Ben is just trying to be like, wouldn't it be great if I just gave you 10 grand and you just let me go mm-hmm. for your family? They sure would love that. Yeah, like, because otherwise you're going to be dead. Yeah, yeah, like, it's more like poor, you know, I feel sorry for them because you can't provide for them and you'll probably be dead. Instead of like, well, my guys will go after your family and kill them if you do this, which I'm like... That, to me, now that you're saying it, seems like such an obvious thing. Like, I have my dudes right here. I could go tell them to just go to your house and kill everybody there Mm -hmm. unless you let me go. Like, that would be so easy for him to say. Or like, hey, dudes, you see that lady that just drove into town with no protection? Grab her. She's his wife. But he he doesn't. Yeah. Because it's like, he's met her. He knows who she is. Mm -hmm. (laughs) He ate at her table. She saw her try to discipline her rowdy child. Right? Her rowdy, stupid child. My dad will murder your dad. (laughs) I just love that. (laughs) Because that's all it was, is my dad can beat up your dad. And then it was like, because then they were talking about their grandfather, because they were talking about like, oh, our our mom is a a daughter of a sea captain. And if he were here, he'd shoot you too. I was like, don't bring granddad into this. Like, leave yeah. granddad out of this. My granddad can beat up your granddad. <laughs> Maybe. I don't know. All my granddads oh, are dead. So. Right? I just I, I just loved the, the visuals of this movie. It's, it was just so fun to look at. Just the, the high contrast. Just, like, the way it, like, really cemented faces. Mm-hmm. Like, a lot, of, a lot of careworn, world-weary faces in this movie. And just highlighted how smug Glenn Ford was throughout oh the whole my movie. My only complaint is he didn't get punched in the face. That would have been nice. That would have been nice because w- he was so smug. He he just needed to be punched in the f- one punch. I would have been right. happy. Just one. I would have just like so- take the take the. Take the butt of that shotgun and just knock just like, it into his teeth. Oh, yeah. exactly. Yeah. So watching this movie. So the one time he tries to get one over on Dan is he, he wants him to open the window. And he was like, oh, you got to get the stick over there in that corner to prop it open. But he's like, try, you know, he's trying to hold the rifle at him and do all this stuff. Um, so he makes a run at him because Dan was like, if you cross this space between us, I'll freaking shoot you. So, of course, he runs at him and eventually gets him back um sitting on the bed again and he's like well i had to try you and andy's like i would freaking slap him with that rifle like yeah you know like you're gonna try me i'm gonna freaking try you back like (laughs) square in the teeth yeah that would have been take him down a peg he just needed he just needed one good like pop in his face yeah pop in the teeth where he like leans back in the bed like like dabs his his lip and like looks at the blood and be like "Mm, i see yeah Mm -hmm. like it he was treading dangerously close to nobody territory, but in an oddly good way. Yes. Because he was evil. Yeah. He was evil. Right. Um, yeah. He was a horrible, into horrible person. Um, and, and so like nobody was just insufferable. I wouldn't call him in. I wouldn't call 
Ben Wade insufferable. I would call him like evil. Like he was just He would have Yeah. He would have been insufferable if he was supposed to be a good guy. Is he is right. he the yeah. is he the definition of a lawful evil? Cause he's hard to say. He has a code, like he seemingly has a code of like, don't hurt women, don't hurt children. You know, I and he, yeah, like yeah, because he knows, because because yeah, because you're right, because he, I think he mentions at one point, be like, you know, I like to stay low, I like to stay under the radar. Yeah, peaceful. I'm dangerous, but I'm calm and peaceful. And he even said he was like, I don't go around just shooting people. That's bad. He's like, the driver pulled his gun first. That's self defense. I mean, I don't go around just shooting people down. I mean, this that isn't nice, you know. I'm like, and I kind of would be like, well, what about your gang member? <laughs> yeah, right. I mean, I feel like you like violently robbing this, you know, coming up and stealing everything off the stage is. Can, can you really justify it as self-defense when you're robbing a person? Yeah, like, I wouldn't. I wouldn't <laughs> yeah. say he's got a heart of gold because he definitely doesn't. No. No, but he he has I think he has the capacity to care like again why that's because I originally I was like why is he having this sequence with this woman like with Emmy I'm like why like yeah. is he just horny like is he just trying to get his rocks off like what I think that's part of it but there also seems to be genuine care and I think that's important to sort of understand why he decides to defend um, Dan at the end by jumping on the train. Yeah. yeah. Like, yeah. He, ha- he has the capacity to care. He's not like the guy from um, A Few Dollars More who is just stone-cold evil. Psychotic. Yeah. yeah. Um, he's just, like, business, you know? I will say this. I thought it was pretty chilling, like, when they corner Wade and he points at Dan Evans. You know, he's only going to come back with the others and I'll go free. You'll get shot. Yeah. Yeah. Like, oh, no. Mm-hmm. Yeah, like, he's just so matter-of-fact about the level of violence that will occur. So it's like, he doesn't super value human life. Um, certainly, yeah, so it's like this level of danger, but then, like, this weird empathy he seems to have for the women in Mm -hmm. his life it's just like such an odd thing and then it's like he does have a moral code it's just weird it's just like yeah it's not skewed twisted yeah it's not a great one no no yeah because it's like he thinks he's fine he's like i this is just a job to me this is what i do for a living and i have rules and i follow them and I've been in prison before. I'll break out again. Like to him, it's like none of this was a big deal for him at all. So I think that's also another reason that he saves Dan is he's kind of like, I'll get out. It's fine. It's just, you know, whatever. <laughs> like, like it's Tuesday. Yeah. Mm-hmm. It's, it, it's like, you know, I was just, I remember I was a young man. I was sitting at home, cracked open the newspaper and imagined my surprise when I see an opening to rub the stage. I'm like, hell Yeah. This town needs a thief. Do yeah. you think one? Because I he's definitely going to escape from Yuma. Like it's oh, yeah. it's going to happen. Do you think he and his gang would go back after Dan and and Dan's family? I really don't think so. Like because the other thing is, I thought same as you. I was like, is this going to be like a few dollars more where they're going to kind of turn on him? Because I was like, they had plenty of opportunities to shoot Dan to sh- if they wanted to shoot through 
Wade. They seem so loyal to him. They're fully willing to die for this man. So I feel like they wouldn't go they wouldn't go after him or his family of their own volition. It would have to be Wade saying like, "Hey, we're going to go mess up this guy's family." And I just don't see him doing that. Here's how I would do a sequel to this. So uh, the sequel to 310 to Yuma is going to be 10 o- the 1003 to Prescott. <laughs> And what I would do is I would flip the script entirely. I'd set it like 10 years in the future. And we've, we've seen this guy be built up, Ben Wade, as like the smug guy. He can get out of everything. And I think the the sequel would just be like that running out. Mm. Is like he's now holding a Marshall hostage throughout the ho- course of the movie. And it's he's got to face the facts that, yeah, he's been able to get out of every other pinch beforehand, but... I don't think he's going to get out of this one. So you don't think he'd go after Dan and Dan's family? I mean, you might be able to hint that. Like, maybe his gang, uh, you know, went and, like, burned their farm down afterwards. I might hint at something like that. I think I would also have, like, younger members of uh, Wade's gang, like, start to go off the hinges and start to shit, you know, as the law keeps putting the screws on. They start losing this so-called code they had Mm. before. That's how I would do it. Yeah, I I was trying to decide for myself if I if I thought about like is Dan is is that moment where Benway decides to defend Dan the moment where Dan is no longer in any danger from him or if it's now just been translated to a later like a future date that mm-hmm. it, that like okay yeah like I can escape from Yuma like is him saying I've escaped from Yuma before a threat. Ooh, yeah. I didn't think about that. That's a good, yeah, because to me, because another thing I was thinking about, because he's like, yeah, I'll give you $7,000. I'll give you $10,000. Dan is kind of like, how do I know I'm going to get it? In my head, I'm like, is that going to be part of his code where it's like, yeah, I'll just leave it at your farm or whatever. Um, or is that just him saying like, you'll get it in heaven like, you know like, yeah, like like when we kill you like it's one of those it's like i have handed you the ten thousand dollars and then i shoot you and then i take yeah. it back <laughs> see i gave right. it to you yeah i didn't mm-hmm. say you were gonna have it for very long mm-hmm. i just said i was gonna give right. it to you oh and oh boy am i gonna give it to mm-hmm. you yeah i'll give it to you full of bullets is what am i give it to you with um so yeah that's that's good because it was it was hard to get a read on him because he was such a cool customer mm-hmm. uh, the whole time and I mean he talked a big he talking an awful lot um, it was a bit telling I thought near the end like the, like he was really putting the screws mm-hmm. to Dan which made me think like is he nervous is he like is he nervous about going on the train or is he since we now that you know the end is he nervous for Dan? And he's like, look, just let me go. And I know they like, they won't hurt you because I'll tell them not to. So just let me go. Cause I care about you now for whatever reason. Or is he just like, I do not want to get on that train. Yeah. That, yeah, that, that hotel room was just so full of friction. It was contentious, if you will. <laughs> well, and like another detail, I'm ignoring Stu and his fun. Another detail was like when uh, Wade goes to sit on the bed, he takes a rug and puts it on the bed so that his boots doesn't get the sheets dirty. I'm yeah. like, what? Is, who is this man? 
He contains multitudes, he, that's for sure. He is sure. a man who takes his socks off when he sleeps with a woman. That's who he is. Right. He's a joke. Finally, the man that we need is a murderer. Damn it. <laughs> <laughs> oh, God. That man isn't climbing into a tub fully clothed. Yeah, come on. Like a, like a monster. Yeah, yeah. Since I was, like, talking up the visual so much earlier and about like how much it like the the careworn faces throughout this movie can we start off with the face he happens to be a sweet looking dude yes i had such a hard time there's so I much to too. pick from i had a tough go i came out with two well i have two and then a runner-up <laughs> okay so my my runner-up was it's uh, dan in the hotel room and I can't remember what Wade had just said to him, but Dan clearly has this face of like, I'm not taking any of your shit. <laughs> I don't give a shit of what you're saying. Like, this isn't working on me. Um, and that was going to be my face. But then Dan's face, you only see it for like a split second. When Wade gives him that line of, I'll bet your wife was such a beautiful girl before she met you. Like his face, like, I think he's got like a tear running down his face because you know he loves yeah. his wife and he like it was so filled with like this shame because he's like i'm not a good provider and like she probably regrets marrying me but then rage at like how dare you like how yeah. dare you <laughs> um that was such a great face and then i also liked alice's horrified look oh. when dan is like oh Maybe this will be something worth remembering. And she's kind of like, what do you mean remembering? Like, yeah, like, yeah, I need you to explain. Like, why, are, <laughs> explain. why are you talking about this as a memory, sir? Right. Sir. Yeah. Elaborate. <laughs> why are we talking about a future event in the past tense, Dan? <laughs> Dan. <laughs> Daniel. <laughs> yeah. Um, see, I chose as one of my faces, I chose as, because I also picked two. I, I, uh, both opposite ends of the spectrum. So I have careworn and not so much. And I loved the way the Marshall looked mm. and the way the black and white film like really brought it out. He was just had this world weary face, just this like he, you know, the way he, like as we were talking about earlier, like he like doesn't think too much of robbery, but murder or something else. That's that's something he's got to act on. It tells you the kind of like, you know, uh, law enforcement he can rely on or lack thereof. Yeah. And uh, the other one is Emmy, you know, because she she she's the only aside from children. She's the only character in this movie who it does not is not creased, who has not spent a significant time outside, you know, who might actually have soft palms. Everyone else is working and the way that she works in the saloon and her features are um pop out against the dark background of the saloon i just thought was really neat um i love how they hint that she's got tb like she has to move to this place to um for her for the dry air Mm. wasn't it a thing that um women who had tb looked sort of like pale and young and beautiful and it was like an ideal of beauty oh yeah so i thought she i was thinking about that watching it and i thought she fit that ideal really strongly Mm. that like melancholy very thin-faced you know ethereally like beautiful big eyes kind of thing lady poured a heavy shot though she's losing that bar money (laughs) it was i wrote it down it was 10 cents a whiskey (laughs) 
She Sign me up. Heavy ass shot. She's spilling over a little yeah. bit. I'm like, Emmy, my girl, you you, you yeah. got to be judicious know, right? with them shots. She's like, well, you know, they're probably splitting that oh, stuff yeah. anyway. She's also so. like, hey, I got like six months to live. Like, here you go, guys. <laughs> yeah, <Okay. laughs> let's live care. it up. Yeah, let's live it up. <laughs> I I don't really have a face because I I just found it so hard to choose. I think one that I got closest with was at one point. Um, uh, Glenn Fort Benway lays back on the bed. I think it was after he put his feet on the rug and just gets this smirk on his face. Mm. And I thought like, okay, yeah, all right, there's something there. But the rest of I just thought the whole movie, everybody had such good faces. It was, it was oh, just yeah. a sea of, it's just a sea of craggy faces. Mm-hmm. Yeah. It was very and, well, well acted. And eye bags. Yeah. Yeah. And no eyebrows. <laughs> Yeah, None. people are working long hours in this yep. town. <laughs> yeah, it's rough. They've had a drought for a while. Exactly, the eyebrows just dried up and blew away. Exactly, it's rough going. <laughs> no one knows if you're surprised. <laughs> it's rough, man. Let me tell you. Uh, could I talk about costumes since we're on visuals? Yes. Yes. So, um, as an over as an overthinking stew, you'll probably agree with me. Like. I thought the men's costumes were too modern. They were very 1950s truck stop. Yes. Um, But, but, so in the opening credits, it it sort of announces like gowns by Jean-Louis and Jean-Louis is the, uh, is the costume designer. Right. So I was like, huh. And I looked him up because I was like, this is interesting, you know? And um, I looked him up and he was the head designer for Columbia pictures from 1944 to 1960. Um, and he is very famous for lots of dresses, but one that he is most famous for is he designed the Marilyn Monroe Happy Birthday Mr. President dress uh, that Kim Kardashian should not have worn for textile Mm. preservation purposes, but we're not going to get into that debate here. I have feelings. (laughs) Um, (laughs) And um, as I was like reading a bit about him, um, one of the things uh, that one of the websites said was uh, while his designs would begin with the role, he would also incorporate his impressions of the body and the personality of the star he was designing for as well. And I thought Mm. that was really interesting. So I went back and thought about particularly how like Wade and Dan were presented and like Glenn yeah. Ford has this, it almost looks like a, it's not leather. Again, it looks like it's a leather jacket, but I think it's a canvas or a jean jacket he's got on. Yes, um, yes, yes. But it has that like kind of biker. And I would compare it to the Rebel Without a Cause jacket oh. that um, James Dean wears. Like he's got this kind of very outlawish James Dean kind of bad boy 50s look. He's like playing into that. Um, As opposed to Dan Evans, who's much softer. He's got like a lot of softer fabrics, like homespun fabrics. And like in particular, when he is with his boys at the beginning of the movie, he almost looks like the sheriff from Gunsmoke. Like, like he has that kind of look like so you have like Rebel Without a Cause versus like Matt Dillon, you know? (laughs) Mm -hmm. kind of look and i tv 1950s tv western star so like visually it's it's sort of playing into that like 50s tropes of this is what a bad guy looks like this is what a good guy looks like and 
I thought that was interesting. Like it sort of fit in with the story, like visually how the story was being told, but not, but without Glenn Ford being dressed in all black in a black hat and right. You know, the other guy with a scarf around his neck, it, it was mm-hmm. a lot more subtle, but still playing into like a lot of those visual tropes. Um, so I thought that was really interesting and made me go like, okay, this looks like a 1950s truck truck stop, but there is very clearly intention here, and I really like mm-hmm. it. I, my only problem with the costumes is that I wish they'd given Glenn Ford an upper lip. Yeah, <laughs> uh, he didn't need it. He didn't need it. You wanted a you wanted a big handlebar false mustache that he could twirl. <laughs> <laughs> Now, they should have made him grow a, a mustache like, uh, like like Kurt Russell had. Oh, the Kurt Russell stache. One <laughs> the, of my faves. The, with, the, with the droop. Oh, one of my faves. <laughs> I, I thought it was, the, the casting was very good. Oh, yeah, too. Like, definitely. I think they fit the roles very well, uh, you know, costumes and the persons. I was like, I can, I can see that you're an outlaw and I can see that you're a working man. Like, it's very well done. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Uh, while we're on the subject of visuals here, how about uh, how about your postcard moment? I know, the, the whole movie. <laughs> I know it was a beautiful movie, and every frame yeah, of postcard. It was great. Mine uh, was early on. It was when they were first taking uh, Wade away in the stagecoach, and you have Emmy standing out in the middle of the town. That was one of mine. Yeah, it's her standing there. You see the big mountain rock mesa thing in the background. <laughs> Mm -hmm. Um, you see it there's a tiny Mr. Butterfield kind of behind her but like her kind of framed it's just it kind of shows the how small the town is compared to the landscape and then right after that they kind of flip to like behind her and then you can kind of see the vastness ahead of them I just thought that was a a beautiful shot see I I really enjoyed the, the, the visual like right off the bat right before the main credits roll of the silhouette of the stagecoach on a searing, empty landscape. Mm. I thought that was so neat. I I had yours, Amy, was the first one I wrote mm. down. Um, watching Emmy, like, when it's on her, you know, coming away. Kind of reminiscent of, like, my darling Clementine that moment. Yeah. Um, but my other one was when they ride into contention. Um, and they're, and they've just passed all those like burned out houses, which I was like, what is wrong with this town? Yeah. It's like, do, oh, do we ride into like a post-apocalyptic yeah. film? What has happened? Like, it, Mad- it is currently a ghost town. Oh, really? Yeah. I was like, is Mad Max going to show up? Like what's happening here? But wait, is, is, are you trying to tell me that Disputation City is a real place? <laughs> yes, it is. <laughs> <laughs> well, apparently you said you've been to Bisbee, Amy. I have been to Bisbee. Yeah, Bisbee so. is awesome, and if you get a chance, you should go. Also, Tombstone is awesome. It's a little more touristy, but I kind of I lean I into like that kind of stuff. We're gonna go to Tombstone. Time. We got. I was gonna say. I feel like I feel like there's certain places where you like you gotta lean into like the tourist trip. Um, but yeah. anyway, when they ride in and they ride past, I think it's the the train terminal. Um, and it's the four of them in the line. It's uh, Glenn Ford and Dan and uh, Alex Potter and uh, Butterfield. And the four of them are sort of riding in. I thought that was a great shot. Mm-hmm. Welcome to contention. Yes. 
It it was named over uh, contention of ownership of the silver mine nearby. Oh. <laughs> it was Con- abandoned in 1888, so that could explain why uh, it wasn't looking so hot. It was like on its last legs. Yeah, I was like, what? Like, what has happened? <laughs> yeah. It's more like Acrimony City. Boo! Tiff Town? Variance Village. A Conswabble City. The Conswabble is its uh, English twin city. (laughs) This and other puns, if you please continue to listen. It's time to stop, okay? No more. (laughs) I'm I'm just over here waiting for the pun, the pun hurricane to... I'm battening down my pun hatches. <laughs> I'm waiting out the storm. So, uh, I guess next, uh, how about the saloon search? We had two good saloons. Because we had a proper saloon, and then we had the hotel bar. And it's a, it, I think it's a matter of, like, what you're in the mood for. I really like the rough cut saloon that Emmy's working in, which is creatively also just named, uh, Saloon. Uh, but... It looked like this is a place where you're just going to get strong whiskey and cheap beer. I'm like, I'm here for 10 it. Ten cents per whiskey. How much was ten cents in 1880? Oh, hold on. I don't think I still have my um, the calculate yeah. the calculator. But I, I would, oh. I would go there. But I think my anxiety would be too high. You walked in in there in it's Bisbee in the Bisbee Saloon, and you, like, walked in, and she's just there, and you're, like, with her lamp-like eyes <laughs> looking back at you, mm-hmm. and you're, like, what? Okay. And, like, just the gla- I was, like, where'd the glasses come from? Why is everyone asleep? Like, is this a real town? Is everything okay? Am I gonna- Am I dead? Am I gonna go and, like, like, drink this and then wake up in a bathtub full of ice with only one kidney? Like, what is happening here? Am I am I already dead? Is this some kind of adult <laughs> Alice in Wonderland scenario? Yeah. You, you you go through like the Western style doors at the front of the saloon, and you're just back in the saloon. You're like what? I I thought I was leaving. Now you're having a drink, partner. <sighs> Hotel California, so, but saloon. <laughs> oh, yeah, it's not so bad. So ten cents. So I I had this movie at eighteen eighty four. Ten cents in eighteen eighty four is about three dollars today. So right. not a bad. I feel like that's a reasonable shot say. price. Yeah, seems not, the going rate. I'm not a whiskey drinker. I don't know. And I don't. I mean, who knows? It depends, I guess, on what they were being served mm. as to whether or not that price is appropriate. Yeah, right. They just put a little color, a little bit of color in, like it's a, it's actually vodka, like. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> a little vanilla in there. Well, vanilla would yeah. probably be expensive. <laughs> yeah. Right. But I also liked it because, like, you know, so often we just see, like, saloons with, like, wood walls or, or um, wallpaper. And this one had, like, rough brick. Like, brick that was made by somebody who isn't a mason. Yes. Like, the bar was, like, big logs. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it's just it's just a wooden plank over barrels. Yep. And uh, I just thought that was neat. Like, they, we're going to... It's like, you hang out in that bar long enough, you're going to see a fight. Maybe a murder. Yeah. Um, but... <laughs> Pre oh. pre hanging, I would have gone to the hotel. Post hanging, yeah. nah, I'm good. Yeah, pre hanging. This is a primo Victorian bar. It's got like since it's in America, of course. There's the hand carved American eagle front and center in the in the middle there. Like 
You're gonna go there and get like a nice sherry. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Some port, maybe. They might know how to make a cocktail there. <gasps> get a get a an old fashioned. Mm-hmm. Well, back then it would just be fashioned. <laughs> yeah, just give me a fashioned. <laughs> I did want to bring up. I forgot. Um, so when they get to the hotel, there's like a dude sleeping on a couch <gasps> in the lobby, mm. and that dude is actually one of Wade's lackeys. And I thought for sure that he was like pretending to be asleep, but then later he like wakes up and he's like, "What time is it? Anybody come through? Why didn't you wake me up?" And I was like, "Is the dude seriously asleep?" <laughs> And he has the most wonderful, like, and when I say wonderful, I mean horrific uh, line because his whole lie is like, oh, yeah, I was looking for my wife. She's supposed to show up here. Like, that's what he's that's his excuse for why he's there. My wife, she ran off with a traveling man. She did. That's why I've been sitting up all night. I figured he'd bring her here. What do you know? Mine ran off, too. I wonder why they do that. I don't know. Always treated mine all right. Never hit her too hard. Like I didn't even, I didn't even hit her that much. Ooh, my dude. Okay, well, there, there's your answer right there, buddy boy. Well, wow. Yeah. I, but the bartender's just kind of like, I'm like, his wife left him, and he's just kind of just seems perplexed, like he's not hurt or nothing, just like, huh? I, who can say? Well, who can say why she left? He's a bartender. Dames, am I right? <laughs> he's a bartender, so therefore he's never been in love. Because he's a bartender. That's right. Like, have you ever been in love? No. I'm a bartender. <laughs> when bartender. you take up the mantle of bartender, you have to forsake all others except for the bar. It's like joining a priesthood. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> yeah. I was not upset when that lackey died. I was like, good. Shoot him in the face. Yeah, he right. was like the meanest one, I thought. Mm-hmm. That, that there was a rabid dog. Put him down. Yep. Not good. Uh, how about how about our coot, our hero coot? After all, he's not a bad old coot. This is the fate that we thought was uh, in store for other uh, coot in um, Bone Tomahawk. Bone Tomahawk. Which I was like, if that happens, this movie's going in the garbage. It's already going in. <laughs> too scary. It's going in the garbage for that it's, reason. It was, was like, it was so scary, I didn't even watch it. <laughs> that's okay. Just know the coot was amazing, and he made it, and that's the ma- best part. I'll have to do a cut of the movie of just the coot just for you to see and enjoy. <laughs> mm-hmm. uh, yeah, because I can't. I I read the Wikipedia on that and went, no, Melissa it's cannot. Melissa cannot handle this. Cannot. <laughs> it was a bit much for me, but but yes, uh, Alex Potter, uh, our coot. Andy wanted me to give him credit for this. Um, I believe it as well, but he was giving off some pretty strong Don Knotts vibes. Yes. Yeah. Oh my god, yes. It's um, like a proto Don Knotts. He Yeah, I buy that. But he looks like Forrester Harvey, who I thought was in Dodge City but is not. Um, who should be in Westerns because he has that similar kind of face and they and he plays a similar kind of goofy part. Um, in in those other movies. But sorry. Nice. I, I no, it's all good. Failed. But that's who I thought it was. No. I like straight I looked him up trying to figure out who he was. But he was good. I think, I mean, we, we touched on him a little bit earlier where, you know, his characterization easily could have gone too far into the humor, um, which glad that it didn't seeing as how his story ended was anything but humorous. Um, mm-hmm. He's like the bravest little coot. He stood by Dan the whole time, never showed any signs of of letting up 
Um, he did get a little spooked at the house, shooting at the barn for, like, no good reason. Mm-hmm. Um, but he, he stuck by Dan, and uh, he was uh, really what, you know, Dan was like, if Alex, you know, Alex gave his life for this, I'm not going to let that be in vain. So, R.I.P. Alex Potter. Yep. Pour, pour, pour out some uh, some real whiskey. Yeah. looking for Always Alex looking Potter. for a jug, you know. He taught you know his. I guess we should cover some of his coot aspects where he kind of talked too much. He was a drunk, um, just, not very helpful. Afraid of, just afraid of his wife. Yes, just his interaction with the kid with Matthew was great. Yes. You know where your pa keeps a drink? No, I don't, Mister Potter. Don't you know where he keeps a jug? No, Mister Potter. Oops. Don't mind my asking, do you? No. Pa said you would. Yeah, Pa told me you'd ask. I was like, oh my right. goodness. These kids are too honest. I know. I'm like, did no one teach you anything about anything? <laughs> like, you don't have to say every thought that enters your mind. Well, they're kids. That's what they do. They they are old enough to learn to manage what comes out of their mouth. Like, come on. Now. The only other coot that I had was the hotel bartender with his, like, very laissez-faire reaction to his wife running away. I I had him as well. Yeah. And wondering aloud, like, why do women run away? Hmm. <laughs> I guess we'll never know. Well, it's so funny, because it's like, that line is so funny, but I'm like, you could, you could give a line read of that that's more like, why do these women, why do these wives run away? Like, oh, what am <laughs> yeah, I doing right. wrong? <laughs> But he was just more like, ah, oh, you know, it's a mystery. Who knows? I was like, uh, like I was like, did did he have a wife or was it like a pet cat that ran off right. and he's just confused? Right. Yeah, he called the cat wife. Yeah. It was clearly his mule. Oh yeah, his mule, and he's like, yeah, you know, my wife. I named my mule my wife, and she I don't know, ran like off. the 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 hotel bartender. He was a classy dude. I'm thinking it was a cat. It's probably an expensive cat. I don't know, or a bird. Mm-hmm. Could have been a bird. Coots like birds. That's they true. Do. Coots do like birds. They birds do. and cats. Mm-hmm. So it's it's one of the two, I think. Yep. Yep. That guy definitely has a similar bathroom to like was it? Uh, I think it was one of um, I want to say a Sartana's where the guy's like putting his foot through through a door and then showering it with water. He's got that. Oh yeah. What was that? Was that a Sartana? I think it was a Sartana. They were on like a train or something, weren't they? Yeah. Like a weird train. Like this is an early one. We'll have to go. Any listeners, if you. You know which if one you, that was. Let us if know. If you can identify what weird niche western I'm referencing, please let me I know. I vaguely recall a rich guy on a train with a weird foot shower. Oh! <laughs> wasn't that Cat Baloo? Was that Cat Baloo? Where she shows up on the train and he's like in the bath and then like that's how she she holds him up. No, this one was Italian. This was a, uh, this was a spaghetti. So clearly there are, we have, there are so many trains. <laughs> Badman's River had a train. It's like it's a motif yeah. in, in in Western cinema. You love a train. You love to see a train. Mm-hmm. The the horror okay. that was Wild Wild West. Hey, mm-hmm. Murder on the Orient Express is that a West? Do, do, you, <laughs> do you think the first writing of this movie was they called it the Choo Choo to Yuma, and they're like that just doesn't <laughs> doesn't stick as well. Like, how do you pick the time? Is it just three ten? Is that just the most mundane time you can think of? Like, I mean, that's when t- trains do that. They leave at like three ten yeah. or like f- like. 459 i catch a, yeah. i catch a 742 
That's right my trade here. is the 742 to get to work. <laughs> it does it does track. Ha ha. Like a train. <laughs> I did it guys. I did a pun. Good job, Amy. I can uh, come you, out of my bunker now. I'm, pr- I'm yeah, you proud skip of you. The, you s- I'm in the mix. You're going to skip the rails here. Oh, uh, How the turntables. <laughs> well, well, well. How the turntables. Uh, you're really steaming me up here. <laughs> oh, Lord. I think that's it. How do we feel about this thing? I liked it a lot. I feel like I need to keep a running tally of how I rate these films because I don't know what I gave High Noon, but this one would get a little bit less. I I don't want to watch it again. I think I would watch it again, though. Um, mm-hmm. So I would put this at like a three and a half, almost a four. See, I put mine at a solid four. This is a good one. I will return to it, but I'm not going to watch it again right yeah. now. This is definitely one I would recommend to other people. Yes. I, th- I think it's it's a good watch. Yeah. This is a good, you know, if you need a good introduction to Westerns and you got a group of friends, it's good. It's a good one to go to. It would to. be a good double feature with High Noon. Mm, like, yes. it would be a re- like, I would watch this one first and then I would mm-hmm. watch High Noon. Like, they would, they like, to watch those two together, I think would be really good because they're, they're playing with similar ideas in different ways and they're both doing a good job yes mm. yeah and they're pretty i would agree at. they're both yes, beautiful they are. yeah but i was like i think high noon high noon wins because i i like the song better and i like the tension better i think uh 310 to yuma the song was a little loungy for it's me a, it's a little yeah. it's a little 50s also high noon princess grace mercs a dude with a gun yeah you know? that's like, really hard to beat and gary cooper's face mm-hmm. <laughs> yeah no no fault no shade to 310 to yuma but it's really hard to beat grace kelly killing a man mm-hmm. <laughs> straight up <laughs> philadelphia's own grace princess grace of monaco shooting a man that's our yeah. girl <laughs> if you could have added that in here then i think they might be on even footing <laughs> But <laughs> this is why you don't yeah. mess with Philly. What can I say? Mm-hmm, <laughs> Even our mm-hmm. princesses are badasses. Yep. Mm-hmm. Oh, we also should have mentioned at the end it starts raining, so like yeah. it's, all of Dan's problems are solved. Also, mm-hmm. I I need to put this on the Instagram in Van Heflin's Wikipedia. Um, there is a picture of him from 1941 with wonderfully coiffed hair and a pencil. Mm. Uh, a thin mustache, a la oh. um, Mr. Handsome himself. Um, oh, Van, Van, my guy. Yeah, it's it's amazing. Errol Flynn, a la Mr. Handsome Errol Flynn. Like it's oh wow, it's amazing. Um, I will put that on the Insta, everybody. Okay, if you guys, unless you guys got anything else, I'll wrap this up. I want to thank you all for listening. Thank you for coming by. Uh, if you have a question, concern, a comment, or a movie suggestion, hit us up at cowpunchersshow at gmail.com or if you want to see uh, examples of any of the faces or postcards we have selected for this episode you can hit us up at our Instagram at cowpunchers_pod, where you can see all of what I just stated plus fun reels made by our very own Amy McLeod Woo. 
And stay tuned, because next time we'll be watching the other 310 to Yuma with Christian Bale and Russell Crowe. Yeah. I am curious, because, like, this movie was a tight, like, hour and 30 minutes. It was great. And I still thought there was some air in it, like, to build that tension. And the new one is, is almost two hours, right? Yeah, it's almost two hours, which I'm like, it's such a tight, concise story. Yeah. Like, how I'm, do I'm you... interested to see what they're adding. I'm, I'm guessing there's going to be some additional threads that are going to be added. I'm... Uh, I would also probably, probably also gun, more gunfire. Yeah, I, I am, I am really curious. I'm looking forward to it. Um, yes. Because I, I was like, oh, 310 to Yuma. And I've, res- I haven't watched the new one yet, and I haven't seen it before, and I'm like, ooh, I'm, I'm really looking forward to it. I like Russell Crowe, and I love Christian Bale. I love Christian Bale. Two, two great flavors together mm-hmm. at last. <laughs> <laughs> Why must we choose? We get chocolate yeah, and vanilla. You, you know, it's right? amazing. We don't have to pick. <laughs> Thank you all for listening. I am, as always, the deputy Stu Kaufman, and I am a tiny child who doesn't know when to shut their mouth. I am Amy McLeod. And Alice, go go home. Go home, Alice. Now, turn around. Go home. My name is Melissa Huggins. <laughs> Alice, get the hell out of here. <laughs> yeah. Speaking of things we don't want put down, though. Uh, Weird transition. Terrible segue. That was segue. a bad... That was a terrible segue. <laughs> We're not including that throw segue. It. It's awful. No. Please throw that in the garbage where it belongs. Throw that segue away. How? I guess this, this is the revenge I get for doing the one thing with the yaw you did. Yes. I'm going to leave that in. Everyone can hear your horrible segue. <laughs> Stuart's awful segue. You're welcome, comma, internet.